My identity should not be wrapped into entrepreneur, coach, dad, husband, or anything else. My identity should be who I am as a human being. It should be me because any of those things can be taken away. You are not the the roles that you play. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings. As always, I'm here with Ben Bergeron. Every week on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much for joining us this week. How are you, Ben? Good to be with you, Patrick. Yes, likewise. We've got this episode, listener questions about how to get new athletes to perform complex movements in the gym, what to do when what I've always done doesn't work anymore, and how to deal with big differences with your significant other. Our workout today is going to be a conversation about balancing family and work when work is threatening to take over. And in our cool down, we'll be sharing a few things that we've uh, that have been bringing us joy lately. Cool? Ready? Let's do it. Rock and roll. We start every episode with listener questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, connect, and how we recover. First question we've got is from Claudia. It's in our move category. She says, I've been doing CrossFit for 12 years now. I have my level one gymnastics course trained with specialized Olympic weightlifting coach for a couple of years and have a 200 hour yoga training under my belt. Although I started off crossfitting like everyone else, I now do comp train with a couple of friends in an open box. I often see trainers who are starting to coach people uh, who do not have much of a fitness background and they're teaching them complex movements like the split jerk when they don't have proper mechanics for a lot of the basics. I understand that CrossFit involves uh, Olympic lifts and complex gymnastics moves, but how do you advise introducing Reducing such movements to people that are new to fitness and give them the proper progressions. Claudia, just you, you answer the question in your question. In, in which the question. Is, yeah, you start with the <laughs> basics before you go to the complex movements. So if we're going to use the split jerk as the example, to your point, you don't start with the split jerk. You create a progression based off of the foundational movements, which starts with a strict press. And it's a really simple progression, which is... Here is a strict press. I want you to bring a barbell to your front rack position, which is a barbell resting on your shoulders in the front with your elbows slightly in front of the bar. From there, bring your feet underneath your hips, squeeze your butt, your glutes, and your abs, elbows slightly in front of the bar, move your head out of the way as you press the bar overhead to a fully extended locked out elbow position with the bar in line with your heels. Return it back down. Cool, we can do a strict press. Once we have that, then all I want you to do is to add a dip and a drive. We're just going to bend our knees and only our knees. We're going to slide your torso straight up and down and only bend your knees to create the momentum for that barbell to leave your shoulders. And now we have a push press. Phenomenal. Now from that position, not only are we going to dip and drive, we're going to dip, drive, and catch under the bar. Now we have the foundation for our push jerk. Then from there, we're going to do that same dip drive motion, and then we're going to catch with one foot forward, the other foot back in a half lunge position with a vertical shin and your feet the same distance width-wise that they were before. Now you have your split jerk. So you answered in the question of like, how do we do this when they don't have the basics? You start with the basics, and the basics are the foundational movement, which is a strict press. 
If they have that, then you can progress them to a push press. If they can't do the push press, you don't bring them to the next movement. You keep them there. And this is where we'll have people in our class. And mostly it's due to shoulder mobility than it is anything else because they can't land in that fully locked out position. They have to find it and kind of search for it overhead. So we don't have them doing split jerks and push jerks because they have a limitation. So through this progression, you can also find people's limitations. You hang out there and then we go. It's kind of like, (laughs) how do I get people to drive around a racetrack at 200 miles an hour? Well, you don't. You have them drive around the racetrack at 30 miles an hour and then you find out where the sticking points are. And, ooh, we can't make that corner. Well, we don't keep trying to go up fast through that corner. We slow it down to where they can make it safely through that corner. And we work on that until they can make it up. And then we, you said this in your thing, progress up. So that's how you add in any complex movement. It's just, it would be the same for a clean, a snatch, a jerk, or anything else, even from uh, a push-up or an air squat. You obviously have way more experience th- uh, with this than I do, but in my in the, in the many years I've watched people kind of go through this, I've seen two places where things get sticky, and I'm curious if you and this is oversimplified, but I'm curious if you agree, anyways. Which is that either where it gets sticky is either because of the ego of the athlete or because of the impatience of the coach. Do you feel like those are the two places where this can start to get off the rails and maybe start to see what Claudia is seeing, which is like, that person's not ready for that thing yet. Okay. So so my dad's going to be turning 80 years old uh, in a couple months. He just came back to CrossFit after about a 12-year hiatus. And I think that this is a a story that um, lends very well to what you just said. Because... Last time he started up, he went too hard, too fast and got um, demoralized. I'm going to say injured, but kind of just like, this isn't for me and stopped coming to the tune of over a decade. He was here for um, his fourth workout. He did three days in a row, one week. It was the weekend and then he was here on Monday. And I was, I took a class before him. So I stuck around and watched him coach and kind of helped him out through the next one. And The workout involved uh, some front squats, uh, a farmer's carry, and rowing. It was a cool comp train workout, 30 front squats, 155, 200-meter farmer carry, and a 1K row to end. And I told him, um, the coach gave him the advice and all this stuff, and I came over and I was like, hey, at the end, um, um, when he got on the rower, I was watching the whole thing. He squatted his butt to the ball, all that stuff. doesn't matter all this stuff. The, The moral of the story, when he got to the row, um, I was, I told him, I was like, dad, just row for five minutes. And he, um, didn't really listen <laughs> and <laughs> was rowing hard and he rowed and he got to it. The, the, the coach had told him to row 900 meters instead of the, th- it was the, the women's distance, but he was smoked, like smoked. He stopped on the rower at 550 cause he went too hard and then stopped again at 750. And when he stopped again, the second time. I went, I went, dad, we're done. And uh, he, he went, no, I can row. This is the one thing I can do. Let me go hard. And I flipped the monitor up. And I went, we're done. <laughs> he went, but I can do this part. And I went, and I said to him, I was like, let me be a coach. And, and he kind of looked at me like kind of frustrated. And he's a, he coaches race car driving. So I brought it to his world. And I was like, I said this to him. I was like, 
I, I know, this is the words I said to him, I know you can drive the straightaway at 150 miles an hour. I know you can drive the straightaway at 150 miles an hour. That's not the goal. The goal is for you to come back tomorrow. And if you drive this straightaway at 150 miles an hour, I don't know what's going to happen when you get to that curve. That, that curve. And he just went, okay, Ben, you're right. <laughs> and he said, this is probably why I wasn't able to be sustainable like the last time that I was here. He didn't use the word sustainable, but he's like um, messages. He was like, yeah, this is probably, I didn't listen to you last time. I'm going to listen to you this time. So I think that to your point, it is like, it's really easy for the coach just to go like, okay, fine, do a, do a hundred. That's really easy for someone just to walk away and kind of like let the person do it because to your other point, their ego is saying, no, I can do this part. I can row another, and he got to 750 and he had to go 900. I can row another 45 seconds, but that's not the goal. The objective is not to row for 45 more seconds. The objective is always the stimulus. And for a 79-year-old man, the stimulus is come back tomorrow and nothing else. Like there really, there is nothing else. If he just shows up five days a week and honestly just sits on a bench and talks to people for an hour, he's going to be so much healthier a year from now than he would be otherwise. Like it's show up five days a week. And to the point we had a conversation afterwards, I was like, we just kind of talked about, we're like, it's about showing up. It's about showing up. He goes, yeah, like, you know, there's, I think you're right about that. There's times that like, I might go a day or two without seeing somebody. And when I do, I feel lethargic and stiff and low on energy and I'm not in a great mood. And then I'll go and have a social event for whatever reason. And all of a sudden I have a lot of vitality and energy back. It's like, dad, just like, just show up here every day. And if you move a little bit along the way, bonus points, but it's not about how hard you can work. Love that. Great story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, we're going to jump into our next question. This is in our eat category from Julie. She says, when I found CrossFit almost 10 years ago, I went from being 20 pounds overweight with an average body to having a very fit athletic body in a short period of time. I've maintained this look and weight for the last 10 years without having to worry much about nutrition and the quantity of food I eat since I always eat clean quality foods. After turning 40, I put on weight and no longer have the fit body I once had despite no change in my routine. I just started tracking macros in an effort to get rid of this extra weight. I'm having such a hard time hitting my protein while staying under my fat goal. I weigh 170 pounds and my protein goal is 160 grams. Does this sound high? I'm just not hungry enough to consume this much protein. Should I overeat and be really full just so I can hit my protein? Should I adjust the numbers I feel like I'm doing? Uh, uh, should I just adjust the numbers? I feel like I'm doing all the things and just continue to gain weight. Is this just part of aging? I'm new to this, so any advice would be helpful. Okay. You should adjust the numbers, but I can also tell you why somebody prescribed. I'm assuming that you're working with somebody that told you those numbers. So those numbers are not wrong, but you should adjust the numbers. So what really matters is not necessarily the, mo the most important number. This is what everyone talks about is like, how, what's your carb intake? What's your protein intake? But if we don't know the percentages, we don't know anything because what we, the number that matters the most is total calories. So if you're telling me that you're eating hundred and 60 is what she said 160 grams yep 160 grams you weigh 170 that's almost that you're equal your body weight but if that's a 40 30 30 you're overeating like that's just like we just know you're overeating 
But if somebody is doing the macros right and you're going higher protein for, and it sounds like higher protein, um, should she say, and saying under fat. So also also low fat um, and probably moderate carb, like all those things interplay with each other. So we need a little bit more data for Julie to be, sorry, for me to go, actually, Julie, let's try this, but let's just play with some numbers and people can either play along or glaze over because we're going to do numbers for a little bit. <laughs> so she said um, she has a really hard time eating the protein that's prescribed, which is 160 grams. Well, the starting place is 0.7 grams for every pound of body weight. That's the starting place. So where we would actually have Julie start with is 120 grams, not 160 And then you have the option of either bringing up your carbs or your fat. You're having a really hard time staying under fat. Let's bring your fat up. So that's where we would start with. The answer is this is the adjustment I would would suggestion I would make instead. I would go to a 40-30-30. When you're starting, this is what people miss. When you're starting macros, we need to start at a 40-30-30. And you're starting most likely at like a 50% protein instead of a 30%. And that's why you're, this is really out of whack and it's hard and you can't do it. So we, we start with 40, 30, 30, and then we make adjustments. So what I would do is adjust you to start there, which is, if we were to do that, uh, would be 120 grams of protein. Um, it would be 200 grams of carbs and it'd be 52 grams of fat. And that's for a 170 pound person. That's a low, that's fairly low calorie. That's, um, that's about 1700 calories. If we wanted to bump that up to a 2000 calorie thing, cause she's active and she's, but if she's looking to lean out, that's where I would go. But if we want to go that off a 2000 calorie diet, I'd have her be somewhere closer to, uh, 150 grams of protein, just a little bit down, six grams of fat, 200 grams of carbs. Got it. And just to be for folks maybe who haven't done this, macros and 40, 30, 30, that's the percentage split between yeah, carbs, right. okay. protein, so, and fat. I just want to make sure that yeah, we so, mentioned right. that for so folks. Let me back up a little bit. Yeah. So um, without, if you want to glaze over, go for it. But here's the <laughs> here's how we come up with that. Because it's confusing because when we're talking about those numbers, 120, those are grams, but it's not grams on the scale of when you're weighing your chicken. And it's actually does that's not the number that creates the 40, 30, 30. So this is where it's confusing. It kind of helps to work with the coach. The 40, 30, 30 is relative to the number of calories. And every gram of protein has four calories. Every gram of carbohydrates has four calories. Every gram of fat has nine calories. So you're taking your caloric intake and basing the percentage work off of calories and then converting it to grams. But then the grams, different amounts of food have different amounts of protein, carbs, and fat in them. So you have to know how much that is and then you put it on a scale. It's it's not as simple as people make it out to be as just eat this amount. There's some math involved. And people go, well, why math? is That's crazy. Like, you know, our hunter-gatherer ancestors never had math, you know, like they didn't have to do 40, 30, 30, and they weren't putting things on scale before their food. Yet they also didn't have Cheetos, Fig Newtons, combos, and food available at every single turn that they made. So this is a way to get yourself dialed in the same way you get dialed in at the gym. 
most of the people in our, some people go in and exercise, right? Which is just like, let's go in. We're not going to count reps and it doesn't matter the load and it doesn't matter how long we're doing it. That's exercise. But if you are training, which is what most people do, you know how many reps you're doing. You know the load on your bar. You know how much, how the distance is going. You're hitting full range of motion and there's a score to your workout. Well, that sounds a lot like what we just talked about with the food aspect. So I'm not saying it, I don't do macros, but I have in the past and it gives you an idea of food quality. And just like if you track your results in the workouts in the gym, you're going to make progress. If you track your macros, I'm, you're going to make progress. Like it's just, you lean out. If you do this well and right, you lean out very quickly. But to Julie's point, there's not one hard and fast way to do this. It's not Julie do 160 grams of protein. It's maybe 120 is right for you. And we'll adjust the other numbers to make that work. Just to back up, the reason that somebody prescribed the, the 160 is because protein is very satisfying. She's full. Like she, that's what she's saying. So it is working. It, you're very, very full. So you're eating less calories. That's the reason that the, your nutritionist did that for you. They did the right thing. Now, maybe... They just put the calorie count too high. So maybe we want to bring down the carbohydrate intake. And it just sounds like you're really having a hard time keeping the fat low. So maybe when you bring the fat, we adjust. You can adjust things. Last question we've got is in our connect bucket. It's from Smeet. Uh, he says, my fiance and I are planning a massive wedding. It's common in my part of the world, but I don't buy into the concept of a wedding. I know it means a lot to her and her side of the family, but it does not to mine. For things as substantial as this and ones which take five to eight months of constant work outside of one's normal life, what narrative can I tell myself to help make this whole exercise more fulfilling? I want to help as much as possible, but I also don't want bitterness to creep in later on. This is a, such a cool question because he he asks... Um, what is this like the story I can be telling myself? That's, that's awesome. That's, that's, as we know, talking about through this conversation that we've been having for a very long time, that's one of the more powerful things that we can do is to tell ourselves the right story because that story creates a, 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 a neuro association that dictates the direction of our lives. We have such confirmation bias as human beings that if we say, you know, I'm just the fat, lazy guy you're going to act like the fat, lazy guy. If you're, if you believe you say, tell yourself, I'm the type of person that's the, the life of the party. And I'm so funny. You act like that. So him understanding what's the story I should be telling myself so that this doesn't come back to bite me is a, is a really interesting and elevated way to ask that question. So kudos. Um, here's the, the first thing before we go into the way I would approach this is this is why value alignment is so important. This is a value. And if it's that at odds for you, um, what else is there that their family values that your fam that you do not, that's going to cause more rifts and make more work along the way, then you're going to find fulfillment enjoyment along the path. Now I'm not saying don't get married or anything like that. But that is the reason that we want to find value alignment is because if she's a vegan and you love hunting, like that's gonna, that's hard to overcome. No matter how much passion and attraction there is, you have to have, you want to have kids and she has no interest in having kids. That's a different value alignment. So that's the first thing I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna close that box there because I don't think this needs to be that type of a conversation. 
I do think it's, uh, it is two other things. And the first one is a principle, which is, can you have appreciation without understanding? To me, that's a really fun way to go through life. You can walk into a modern art exhibit and have no idea what it is you're looking at, but still appreciate it and appreciate the, uh, the fact that other people appreciate it. Can you, yeah, you grew up as uh, the captain of your football team and then you became a guy that drank beers and uh, went camping on the weekend. Well, how do you act when you go to the ballet? Like, can you still appreciate it even though you don't understand it? And to me, this is one of the principles that we should all work towards in our lives is this, I might not get it, but that doesn't mean it's on the far side of the spectrum. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean that it doesn't provide value. It doesn't mean that I can't find value and enjoyment in this. I can enjoy this just for the sake that my spouse enjoys it. I'm her biggest fan. And when she finds something with joy and passion, we talked about this with the kids aspect, like we should be finding ways for us to do the things that they love. Not all the time. Like they love playing roadblocks. I'm not going to play roadblocks for two hours every night with my kid. But when my kid goes, dad, you got to see this. Like I'm winning. I'm in first place, which he does a lot. <laughs> if I go, Roblox is dumb. Like, I don't know why you spend your time on that. There goes that opportunity for connection. If I come over and go, oh, whoa, wait a minute. What is that thing there? And who are you playing against? Can you talk to them? And I just show some level of interest in what they're interested in. This is the foundation for connection. We need, it's the reason people play name games. When you meet someone for the first time. Oh, Patrick, you're from Southern Maine. Do you know... John Smith from Southern Maine? And you go, yes, I do. It's like, we have a connection. Yes. Now we have a, we have a place that we can start this thing with. And that's what we're looking for is just different landing pads that we can build foundations off. Of. And if we just don't meet them where they are, we're not going to get there. If you go to the ballet and go, this is dumb, cross your arms. I can't wait to get out of here. Instead of just like, be curious about it. This is, this is one of, we've talked a lot, you and I off this about curiosity. I think it's one of the more incredible things that you can walk through life with. It's just be curious. Okay. So that's the first one is, can you have appreciation without understanding? And the next one, it, it speaks a little bit more towards his question, which is how do I tell myself the right story? And that is through the three guiding principles that we talk about a lot here, which is this awareness, intention, and action. And the first one is, which he has, the awareness that this is a potential trigger. Um, I don't have the same value set that my um, fiance and family do. And also this awareness of like, can I change the narrative of the way that I think about this? Knowing that this means a lot to them I think it's more about us changing than them. Like, why would we ever try to take away something that's this meaningful and is a big, by the way, most of society is going to side with her just so like weddings are a big deal in most cultures, probably less so in the last 30 years than they were in the past in the Western part of the world. But most of the world, they still are 
really big, re- meaningful, maybe the biggest thing and decision you make in your life. So to celebrate that, um, not only that's like I do moment, but that's um, coming of age, that new phase of your life. That's what I encourage Smeet to to do is have that awareness, which you already do. This means a lot. It might be a trigger for you and that you working through this is probably worthwhile. From there, it goes to intention. And that intention is every time the conversation comes up about the wedding or even your in-laws walk into the room, every time that anything that kind of like used to sort of trigger you, you're going to tell yourself, I'm so excited for this next phase of my life and this is the moment it's going to happen. Just make it that. This is the moment I'm going to celebrate this next thing of my life, which by the way, will be the biggest thing in your life. Who you marry is the biggest choice you will ever make in your life. Like there's, there isn't a second one. Your job and the city you live in are probably the next biggest. Who you surround yourself with friends usually is not a decision. It usually happens. But if people do decide, those are the big ones. That's what you do from nine to five. Um, cause that's those are, th- and the friends you hang out with are going to dictate usually your behaviors, but nothing is more important than the person you're going to share a life and a family with. So let's use this as a celebration. This is the neural connection. Every time it comes up, you're going to say, I'm so excited for this moment, for this celebration, for this thing. And that my wife is putting all of this energy into this to make this a meaningful moment in both of our lives. In parentheses, even if you don't believe it. (laughs) That's it. So it would be the same thing as every time you're going to go on stage to give a public presentation. If every time you go on stage, you're telling yourself the story of God, I hate this. I don't want to do this. Why do people make me do this thing? I know my boss thinks this is really good for me, aka wife. I know that like she's telling you to do this big marriage and you go into it every single time with that. Guess what's going to happen? You know this, Smeet, because you asked, how do I change the story I tell myself? It is the same thing. Every time you go on stage or give a presentation beforehand, I love that this is going to be this transformative experience for me. I love that this is going to push me to where I need to become. I love what this represents in my life as that this is the stepping stone to the next part of my career. I know that this is the thing that I need to lean into more than anything else. And I like those feelings when the butterflies come and I get a little anxious and I start to think about these things. And the night before when I can't sleep, man, that means because it means a lot to me. And we just tell ourselves this. By the way, it's the same conversation we have with our lead athletes. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. And we just tell ourselves those stories. And the, here's the big one is when your wife mentions it, that's the trigger and you flip it. Every time it happens, you flip it. So it's one of those recognize the trigger and then flip it, go, I'm excited. And then it's the same thing. Like every time your wife walks in the room, if you go, I'm so excited every time she walks in the room, guess what happens six months from now? When your wife walks in the room, you get excited. That's just <laughs> what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the brain is bi, you know, you're, you are a bi-directional being. When things happen, you feel certain ways. 
But if you certain feel certain ways, that's what happens. The trigger gets your rewiring. There is yeah. a programming built into us. It actually happens through our neurons. There's myelin that basically insulates these um, these systems that creates the the patterns to happen. And what we want to do is make sure that we're sending the right signals throughout our body that are productive, not destructive. Hope that was help, uh, helpful. Smeet, if you would like to get a question into a future episode, find me on Instagram at P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM and I will add it to our list. We're going to get into our, workup in, uh, our workout in a minute. First, a quick word of thanks from one of our sponsors this week, Policy Genius. Are you looking for a smarter way to find life insurance? Meet Policy Genius. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes uh, from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With policies starting at just $25 a month for a million dollars of coverage, you can find the right fit for your needs. And the best part, some options offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed award-winning agents who work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. And there are no added fees, and your personal details are always private. Don't take our word for it. Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. If you're not already covered through work, employee-sponsored life insurance may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it won't follow you if you leave your job. So why wait? Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the show notes to get your free life insurance quote and see how much you could save. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net, and you deserve peace of mind. That's policygenius.com. Do you have life insurance? Yes, I do. It's one of the first things we did when we had kids. Really, I think it's like everybody needs life insurance. And it's um, like term life insurance. It's super super cheap. But you know what? what, The other thing is, you know, as I explored this, I was like, well, no, if I I go, Heather takes over the business. Like there's no drop in revenue slash income. And that's not the case necessarily because Heather takes care of the kids. So if Heather's going to take over the business, we then need somebody that can, we need to hire a nanny. Like you just like, it doesn't work that way and vice versa. Like it was like if Heather goes, so we got health insurance on Heather as well. Because if Heather goes, it's not like, well, no, she didn't earn income. She was a stay at home and took care of the family. So it's not like we're losing, but no, we have to hire somebody to do that. It's. To me, it's one of the biggest no-brainers. If you're going through that crazy traumatic experience of losing somebody you love, like why add on the financial stress as well? Like this is the one area that can be taken care of for very, very cheap and awesome that there's no downside to using this company because there's no fees or anything else. They're going to find the best one for you. So love that. All right. Let us jump into our workout this week. This is a... uh... A lot of times we'll take listener questions, but this is a question that I actually just have for you, and you and I haven't really talked about this, which is um, I've had the I have the pleasure, obviously, of uh, knowing you not only when we press record, <laughs> right? So I have a good sense of you know what's going on, obviously, uh, with the podcast, but your life and CompTrain, and I've had the pleasure of working you uh, working with you on uh, some stuff with CompTrain over the last few months. And we're coming out of the summer, and I know the summer for you has always been a very family-oriented time. Obviously, the games have always been there, so there's always been that sort of that pocket in the middle, which was very, uh, very focused on that. But before the games, after the games, is always like, oh, Ben is <laughs> Ben's on the Cape. He's with the family. He's with the kids. 
And quite frankly, he's very happy doing that, right? And so my question to you, what I was thinking about and what I wanted to talk to you about is like this last summer, I think has been considerably different. And we can talk about all the reasons why. In short, not only the games, but CompTrain was going through um, some things that I know was taking up literally your hours, but also I know a lot of your emotional bandwidth as well. And I watched you, I think struggle might be a, the right word, but I watched you kind of struggle with like, I, I, I promised myself that the month or the two months or whatever during the summer is like, that's where I can really prioritize family. And I, and I sort of saw you trying to find this right balance between taking care of work, taking care of athletes, taking care of comp train, and also taking care of that promise you made yourself. And so as we're coming out of the summer, I would, I just thought it'd be an interesting conversation to, to reflect back on like the last three or four months and how you began, how you're maybe still trying to navigate those two parts of yourself. Family Ben, Dad Ben, and those promises that kind of exist in that, but also work Ben and entrepreneur Ben and coach Ben to the degree that it was this year. So I don't have a specific question, but I just love to chat you chat with you about that. Yeah. So the people I've been listening for a little bit, and I just mean like even this past year, know that I put a little bit more emphasis into work this year than I have in the past because um, we're, I'm really excited about what we're building with CompTrain. Um, this is I position myself as a CEO for the first time in about six, seven years as the guy running the ship here. Um, and I'm incredibly excited, but it's also a lot of work to make this thing um, be what I believe it can be. So that was going into the summer. So this is why the level of curiosity perks up because, okay, like you're kind of leaning into a little bit more work, Ben, entrepreneur, Ben, than you were family and dad Ben, how did you navigate this summer? Okay. So how did I, and then we'll talk about like, was it the right move or not? <laughs> so how did I, I spent the most time on the Cape that I ever have. And the most time with the family that I ever have. Um, I usually came, I usually come back. Uh, it's about an hour and a half drive, um, from, Natick, which where the gym and where I live and where we stay on Cape Cod, it's an hour and a half drive. I used to come up for uh, about three days a week. I would come up maybe Monday morning and drive back Wednesday night. Um, this summer, I only slept in Natick twice, two nights, not even two trips, two full nights. So I spent every single night except for two minus the games on Cape Cod. So I didn't break that promise. Um, but then the right question, the question is, was that the right decision? And I would say, no, it wasn't. I believe in this thing that we talk about all the time, which is balance and family first, but I shouldn't have over-indexed as far as I did. I kind of set this vision for myself. Like this is the first time I'm going to be able to do this. So because there's the availability to do it, I'm going to do it. This would have been with the transitional phase that we were in and the new leadership role I was playing. And the amount of building that we're doing into this platform, um, it, it would have made more sense for me to stay more in the same sequence that I was of spending three days up here, going down for two days during the week, doing a little bit of work while I'm doing there and then the weekends, but more like a 4-3 than, yeah. than a 6.5.5. You know, was it uh, – it just – it got, by the end of the summer, I I was starting to feel anxious and stressed. Is really the way it kind of came to it. And 
I got really excited for the end of the summer, which I, I don't feel is right. I, I should be like, you know, we live in this really magical community where people always tell the stories of how their kids and even some of the adults, you know, cry the, as they're driving away for the last day of summer when they're going over the bridge because it's a really meaningful place. And I was like, let's go. Like, I, I need to get back. And in fact, the last week of summer, I spent up here away from my family um, because I, I was so um, excited slash anxious to get back to the grind and back to the, the leadership and back to the momentum we were building along the way. So um, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I, it's not about crying over the spilt milk whatsoever, but it is about use, finding the data points so they can help direct decisions going forward. Yeah, and I think I think that that what you just explained was exactly what I was f- noticing or feeling or at least like assuming that you were going through over the course of the summer. And the first thing that pops into my mind and and the, maybe the first question is we talk a lot about this sort of this deathbed filter, right? Like <laughs> when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to look back and what you know, what do I want to to um know of myself? What, how do I want to feel about the decisions I made, right? And so you can say like Deathbed filter, spending the summer with your kids and with Heather in a place that, as you just described, is magical and will not be there in a couple of years, you know, won't be there in the way that it is now when your kids are older, et cetera, right? And so through that filter, you made the right decision. And in the short term, it feels like that was a, it was a hard one, but ultimately the right one. And so I, I think I, I bring that up to, to just ask, like, in the midst of it, clearly you had made a promise to yourself and you were living through that promise. But did you have a moment when you're like, when, when you were just like, I got a, I got a reverse course here. <laughs> like, like, yes, that was the right decision before I had any data. <laughs> but now that I'm here, this was, this was the wrong one. Or only is it in hindsight, looking back on it now that we're kind of through the summer, do you feel like, oh yeah, you know what? That was probably the wrong one. Yeah. I, I don't want to say rights and wrongs because we, there's not enough perspective to know any yep. rights or wrongs. So it's the story of the, you know, the wise old farmer that, yep. you know, we don't know if this is good or bad and we don't know what's going to come of it. Um, you know, if, if I was to die or one of my kids was to die next week, I would say it's the right decision. Right. So it's like, we just don't know anything. Um, so I don't say right or wrong. I want, I, what I'm going to say is like, based off of the information that we have right now, would you have adjusted things? And based off the information I have right now, today, I would have adjusted things. I wouldn't have indexed so far. It's so funny because, you know, you use that, the deathbed analogy and the saying goes, no one on their deathbed ever says, you know, I wish I had spent more time in the office. Well, I'm not on my deathbed. So I, right, I might, but uh, I am saying that. I'm saying I wish I spent more time in the office. So it's it's where like the perspective comes in and I don't have full perspective right now. So I am um, using a recency bias to say what I feel was the um, was this more, the most appropriate way to spend my time. And I'm saying, no, it wasn't. But again, this is also it's just a recent thing. And I'll just give a little more color to. So um, we have an in-house team here, both the gym and um, the training platform called CompTrain, which everyone listening to Chasing Excellence should get on because it's like, it's going to be awesome. Um, 
really, really exciting. Um, hard, but accessible training. Like anybody can do this thing. So we had a, lo- a lot of momentum and, you know, a lot of uh, direction where we were going. And as a leader, the number one thing, and I've written about this in my book, but the number one thing about a leader is presence, not presence and attitude. It's presence, meaning you have to be there. If you are not there, you're not a leader. You're just not. And this is why every politician knows that the president, when there's a catastrophe, they don't lead from Washington, D.C. They go there. They go to the spot because you have to be there. Even if you're giving directions from afar, like most people are in the military, you still need to be at the base with the soldiers and you have to lead in person. And I've, I've talked about in the past that, you know, during the summer, the gym takes a hit, not only because people go away for the summer, but because I, I don't spend as much time. And that presence, you know, it's one of the things I think is really important for parents. If you want to have a great connection with your kids, it starts with you being there. And that's, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to hear because they go, no, like when I'm there, I'm like hundred percent. And when I'm there, I do this, but they're, they're not, they're only there a fraction of the time. It's about being there as a leader. You got to, And that's what I didn't do very well this summer. Um, and now I'm trying to make up for it. <laughs> You've been in these meetings and I, like, uh, I'm coming in, I'm coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> accurate accurate yeah well, I, I guess maybe to, to, to wrap it up because i think i think that all of that makes a lot of sense to me and, and i appreciate you uh being open about the the challenges therein but i wonder if maybe to, to wrap this conversation up like i was part of the issue or part of the challenge maybe is a better way to put it just the the that these are two and they're not obviously two identities that you have for yourself right again of hard charger uh, entrepreneur Ben and dad Ben, like obviously they're, those aren't two people. Those are the same person within you. But to me, what I think, what was, what I was curious about was how do you balance when you do have those two drivers and where those two drivers are pushing you are in opposing places? Cause I think that's not uncommon, whether you're, yep. whether folks out there are athletes or entrepreneurs yep. or, uh, you know, we've talked about being the, you know, the breadwinner in the family and wanting to be with the, like our lives exist in this tension between I want to be over there and I want to be over there too. I want to be doing this and I want to be doing that. And I can't figure out how to make those two things happen certainly simultaneously, but I can't figure out the right balance between those two things. And I think oftentimes we, to your point, we over index towards one because we feel like okay, I'm going towards that. And then you get through that and you realize, ah, shoot, now I've got to dig myself out of the hole that I, in, in a lot of ways, it's like what we've talked about with concurrent training, right? Where it's like, I'm going to go real hard on my back squat. And I'm going to, and I'm going to hope that my, by increasing my back squat 20 or 30 pounds, I become a better athlete. But often what actually happens is you just become less fitter. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so now you've got to then spend more time getting your fitness back up and your strength will probably decrease a little bit. So like life is this constant tension between, again, seemingly opposing forces or opposing, uh, desires. How do you balance those things? How have you tried to balance those things as you've gone? Cause you've been doing this now let's just call it 15 or 20 years from when you sort of opened up CFNA and like the family started and all that stuff. How have you played with that tension over those many years? 
Yeah, I think it's what we've talked about a lot, which is the first is this recognition. It's two awareness pieces. And the first one is, you said, these opposing forces, but they're not um, polar opposites and they're not, it's not a teeter-totter. It's not a seesaw. It's not just two things. It's not entrepreneur Ben and dad Ben. It's entrepreneur Ben, dad Ben, um, stay healthy Ben, yeah. live with passion and vitality have um, some joy in my life, have some sort of, call it what you want, but I'm not religious at all, but spiritual or something. I have a relationship with my other family, which is my mom, dad, and brothers. There's there's a lot more to it than just um, work and family, which is what everyone goes to. But we have to understand that it's not those, it's the multitude of these things. And because what I could have done is pulled away from any of those other things as well. But we I saw my mom almost on a daily basis during the summer. I went to the gym every day, you know, while I was there. So it's understanding that there's this, you know, the analogy that we give a lot, which is it's not a seesaw. It's not a teeter-totter. It is a dinner plate or a Frisbee on a pencil. And what the idea is, the second part is, it's never going to be in balance ever. So stop trying. It's just not ever going to happen. Maybe in hindsight, you kind of fall into it, but it, you can't, you can't force function it. You can't go, well, this is how I'm going to do it. You try. And this is the reason that we create the frameworks for these conversations where I'm going to live, love, lead, learn, and so on. I'm going to make sure that of those five categories, or to call it different, roles in my life, dad, husband, um, business, whether that's employee, boss, whatever it might be, health, faith, and I'm going to make sure I'm getting these things. So what we're going to do is, as we said, the strategies and frameworks, the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. That's what we're trying to do this whole conversation, knowing we're never going to be spot on. We're never going to be perfect. That plate is never going to be perfectly balanced. But let's make sure we're not over-indexing. And in hindsight, I might have over-indexed a little bit. Cool. Let's course correct. And course correct, we might. if everything is spilling out one side of the Frisbee or the dinner plate, you need to work to get that thing back to balance. It doesn't happen on its own. So that's where I'm, quote, coming in hot to try to make sure that I'm trying to create some level of balance. And it's not um, just me doing this rogue. I did, you know, it was the conversation with Heather. I spent a lot of time here doing this. I need to, I need to um, put some serious effort into this thing over here. I think it's those two things. Those two pieces are what help us um, going forward. It's not a teeter-totter. It's not opposing. It's multiple opposing. The third one would be it's not dad Ben, fit Ben, um, um, business Ben. It's Ben. It's, you know, Jay Shetty talks about this in a sort of similar way. It's like, it's not these different phases of your life. It's your life. And everyone goes like, well, when I lived in, you know, Tucson and when I had that job and when I was dating this person and they think that that's that's like that phase of their life. It's like, no, there's no like starts and stops. It's all you and it's all your life. And you living in Tucson allowed you to have those other things. If you don't live there, those other things don't fall into place. 
and you don't get that boyfriend and you don't have that job. So it is the totality. We always strategy and framework to help us chase what truly matters. That is the framework because you have to take the totality of the existence of what Ben is. And it is all of those things, but it also, getting a little more esoteric, it is none of those things. My identity should not be wrapped into entrepreneur, coach, dad, husband, or anything else. My identity should be who I am as a human being. It should be me because any of those things can be taken away. You are not the the roles that you play. This is like, again, what we've talked about before, Chasing Excellence 3.0. 1.0 is for sure. Let's find the roles. Let's make sure we're doing those roles really, really well. Let's have the discipline and dedication to fulfill the responsibilities and do the things that are going to move the needle for us to be a more productive human being going forward. But as we evolve, as we get a little more, you know, we get into the more advanced classes, then it's this recognition like, wait a minute, it's the job I come to every day is the job I come to every day. It's not me. It's not what I am because that can change in a blink of an eye. And if I associate who I am to that, this is what high-level athletes struggle with when they leave their jobs. It's what high-powered CEOs and people have all this command and all this responsibility. When it's gone, they struggle because they're not identified with what, who they truly are. They're identified with a label. They're identified with a position. And you are not the position. You are not your position. You are you. You are not your name. You are not anything else. You are you. So when we can start to identify who we actually are, that helps us a lot in terms of figuring out how to make the right decisions. Because now we have the true understanding of how to build these frameworks. All right. We're going to be back with a cool down in just a minute. But first, another word of thanks to a sponsor this week, Electric E-Bikes. Head to Electric ebikes.com to learn more about the electric xp 3.0 the most popular e-bike in america the summer may be in the rear view but at least here in the northeast the weather is perfect for getting outside enjoying the sunshine and the warmth for as long as possible electric e-bikes are the perfect companion to fall with smooth pedal assist and a twist grip throttle these bad boys can get up to 28 miles per hour which I'm pretty sure is as fast as Ben usually runs his 400-meter repeats. The XP 3.0 is foldable and comes fully assembled, so you'll be moving in no time when your new e-bike arrives. They've also got new hydraulic brakes, so you can stop on a dime every single time one of your neighbors stops you on a joyride to ask all about your new shiny bike. We always talk about getting outside and using our fitness, and with electric e-bikes, you can not only do that, but you can explore, commute, save on gas money, and generally feel like the summer never ended. Head to electricebikes.com to learn more about the XP 3.0, as well as all the other e-bike models that Electric has to offer. That's Electric, L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com, Electric Ebikes, go Get yourself one and enjoy. We are brought to you this week by Life Force. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about how Life Force can help you take control of your health and optimize your performance. Are you tired of feeling like you've been coasting through life? You want to take control of your health and well being? Look no further than Life Force. 
the health optimization company that gives you the tools and support you need to reach your full potential. With LifeForce, you'll have access to their state-of-the-art diagnostic testing, functional medicine doctors, certified health coaches, and advanced nutraceutical and hormone therapies that'll help you understand your body like never before so you can optimize your mental and physical performance. Unlike traditional healthcare systems, LifeForce takes a proactive approach to your health and well-being. Their diagnostic measures things that your typical primary care doctor may not order as a part of your regular blood work. They help you identify what's optimal for performance and offer a single solution combining everything you need to understand your body and optimize your life. LifeForce members experience a wide range of benefits, including better energy, more focus, greater strength, improved longevity, deeper sleep, healthier aging, less body fat, better recovery, and hormone balance. In fact, 85% of LifeForce members report improved quality of life within their first three months of membership. So don't settle for average. Take control of your health with LifeForce. Start your membership today and receive $200 off by tapping on the link in the show notes or head to mylifeforce.com to learn more. Alrighty, let us jump into a quick shout out. Shout outs when we take a moment just to read a note or a, th- uh, uh, a review on Apple Podcasts or a YouTube comment as a way of saying thank you. This is from Alexis. She says, Tuesdays are my favorite drive to work and I'm a totally different person from when I started listening to you guys just in October. I went from quitting things because they were hard to enjoying discipline and I find myself more often than not looking forward to ways to test my mental toughness. When things get hard, I just hear Ben saying that every aspect of existence is a gift and everything that's happening to you is what you need to become the person you're supposed to be. When I get upset at silly things, I think about if it's going to ma- if it's going to matter in five years and if the answer is no, I'm able to let it go much faster than I used to. Things are just put right back into perspective. You guys have changed my life for the better. And I just want to say thank you for that. So love that. Thank you, Alexis. All right. Quick cool down. We did this once before and I, uh, and I forgot about it. And then I, re- I was reminded of it when we had a, re- a recent conversation where you, sh- you read through your happy list. Uh, um, and yeah. so I was like, oh, let's bring back the moment of joy. So we did this once. Moment of joy is just like something that's been bringing us a little bit of pleasure, a little bit of happiness, a little bit of joy, whether it's that one time it happened or something, you know, a new habit or a new thing that we're doing uh, that we find is bringing us, uh, bringing us joy. So that's what we're going to do. What do you got? School started recently. And um, after this summer, which we spent a lot of time talking about, uh, my son, Bodhi, who's 11 years old, didn't get a haircut from the time that he left school. So basically from somewhere in early June um, all the way till like right before September. And he had the longest, shaggiest hair he's had. So the last time he got a haircut was really bad. He went to one of these like just chain haircut places. I hope they never advertise on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> But it was really bad and he was really embarrassed about it. And um, so going back to school for the first time, I brought him to – I go to – I've been to the same um, – the same person who's cut my hair for nine years. And bringing him to see her and sit in the chair and it was just like this moment of like you're, you're – and he's going into middle school. It was just a really cool shared experience that he got to it. She spent so much time with him. She was awesome with him. Asked him, made him feel really cool. Um, he loved his haircut. And then, you know, a, a day or two later, I'm asking about going into middle school, which is a big step. It's a big deal. And I'm like, dude, how are you feeling about uh, middle school? And 
he kind of paused and he was like, um, with my new haircut, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, Amazing. he was so happy. It was just like this really cool, like all, it's the little things, right? It's the little things like bringing your 11 year old son to get a haircut. Those are the, to me, when we think of joy, um, cause to me, joy is very different than pleasure. Joy has this level of inherent fulfillment to me. And that's a, that was a fulfilling moment of like me and Bodhi spending, you know, we spent the afternoon. To, it was like awesome. It wasn't just like a haircut. It was like two and a half, three hours together of like doing this thing. And the haircut was the, the pinnacle of it. So it was really, as a dad, that was a lot of joy. I just, I hope once in my life that I get a haircut and I, I feel that. Like I have that saying, like, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready now, dad. Uh, I, I I tried to come up with something that wasn't kid related, but I think like I think you know one of the things that kids do is they they sort of set a new high watermark for what joy feels like, and almost everything else is like somewhere below that. Whereas, uh, and so I, I tried to think about something that wasn't, kid, but obviously I, I couldn't, so I failed. But I will say, uh, so I will say that m- mine is uh, with my six year old at the end of the summer. They he did a um, little CrossFit camp. At a gym up here, mm, cool. it was like a two hour. It was like two hours, five day for like a week uh, straight, and so I was able to on the second or third day, I forget, bring him there. Drop. We got there a little early so I could I can meet the coaches just because I hadn't been over there yet, and to have like ten minutes where it was just he and I in a gym, and I could play with him on the rig, and I could he could show me what he had learned the day before, and I showed him how to do a pull up with a um, resistance band, and like just having that moment. I have not had that moment. Like he has not been in a gym with me since before COVID. He it was at CFNE. It was like literally the last time, and he was like a year, if if less. Um, and so to just have that moment, and to re- and to realize that like I want to create those moments more. Like however we've got to figure it out. Like I don't want that to be a very random thing for he and I to experience. To be in the gym together, just playing, just having fun. And I'll just add my one thing to add on to that was he learned how to row. They like in his little thing, they taught him how to row. And, I, and so he came home and I, I kid you not, he did like his two hour camp. He came home and he's like, can I, can I, can I do the rower now? Cause we've got a concept two in the garage. And he must have rowed in like 50 meter increments, like 3000 meters that day. He just was like, just kept going back out there, doing some more rowing, came, showed me the fish game and like the whole thing. And it was just like, it was just like, yeah, this is, this is what I want. This is more of this is, uh, to me very much the definition of joy. Love that. Yeah. Kids and gyms, man. Like I love, I want to do, a, I want to, I want to explore that more. Cause I think that's something really special. Cause the coaches at the Jimmy went to, uh, have, have a, a little kid. She's going into kindergarten. And like, I just, I've met so many little kids who grew up in gyms, obviously Bodie, Harley, and even to a degree like Maya and, and Jonah, and I don't know, obviously we're, I'm biased and obviously I love kids who grow up in gyms, but like, they always strike me as like, like, oh, I want, I want my kids to grow up like that. Like, I want them to, to whatever it is, like whatever that experience is, whatever that thing is that they learn both interpersonally, but also just like, oh, that kid was learned how to squat when he was six, right? Like whatever that is, I just think that's so special. And so, uh, still very, very rare, but like, I just think about all the kids I've met over the 10 or 15 years whose parents literally just like, here, this is your home. This is your playground. This is where we come every day. Just to me, feels like very special. Southern Maine, get excited. CrossFit Cummings, <laughs> coming <right>. soon. <laughs> maybe, maybe that will have to be the answer. 
All right, my man, that was great. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody out there for listening. Thank you, especially for your ratings and your reviews. If you would like to get a question into a future episode, find me on Instagram, PS Cummings, drop me a DM. We'll get it into uh, a future episode, I promise. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence.